think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Pastor Chad here, and I'm excited because I get to sit and have a conversation with a good friend, a growing friend, uh, Howard Me. I don't think you should make fun of my weight like that, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm growing out, not up. <laughs> oh, you meant. I guess that's one of the most awkward ways to describe somebody. Hey, this is my you, growing friend. I mean, we could say we have a growing He loves f- apple pie and ice cream. <laughs> Look at him grow. We have a growing friendship, but he is not a growing friend. Uh, anyway, uh, it's good. Unfortunately, we don't have video today, so you guys can't even see how, how much he's grown. That's right. Uh, as my friend. Uh, anyway, uh, it's so good to have Howard here. Uh, he This is his first time in season two. So uh, if you're joining us and if you've just joined us for this walk through the book of Acts, then you haven't met Howard yet. But Howard uh, uh, joined me several times in season one as we walked through the Gospel of Mark. And so he and I are, are in fellowship here at East Haven together. And uh, he's actually getting me ready for becoming a bow hunter as well. I've been a rifle hunter uh, throughout my life, but I've never hunted with a bow and an arrow. And let's just say when it comes to bow hunting, Howard's kind of a big deal. And so you could probably go out there and search Howard, Howard me bow hunting, and he might show up on some podcasts uh, in other areas. I don't know. Do you want to speak it, to your podcasting life? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm no, in a very small pond. Anyway, I think I'm he's kind of a big deal. Big hunter. Uh, and in here in Montana, at the, rec- at the time of this recording, uh, we are on the cusp of hunting season starting next weekend or this coming weekend rather. So yeah, uh, it's ramping up. How do you, I think one of the earlier podcasts that we had, I had asked you about kind of the, the way that you balance the various loves in your life. You love the Lord, you love your wife, you love your family and you love to hunt. And there are times in seasons where that, that love challenges that priority. Yeah. So yes. how do you, yeah, you're ramping up. So what does that look like for you as you, you've been doing this for a long time? Yeah. The, the love of hunting, they just, it just gets the scraps. It gets the scraps. Whatever's left. <laughs> but what we've, we've, as a family, we've made it time, made sure that we carve out time where I can go and do that because it, it's very life giving to me. And one thing that's really special about it is you get that that mental break from mm-hmm. life. Like you have to be focused on what you're doing all the time. So you're not then thinking about maybe responsibilities and things you're supposed to be thinking about. Right. So if you schedule it out and plan it, you can kind of get that mental break and that's always appreciated. There's almost a sense in which it is a type of Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Chad. I'm yes, trying to help is. you out here, That's, Howard. That is why <laughs> I love bow hunting because we celebrate the Sabbath. But I will say it's not something that you necessarily in this season of life have to do at the exclusion of your family because you have sons no. that a couple of them, they'll engage with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a son. We've already been hunting. Antelope season starts middle of August. We've already taken a couple trips out. Copy he, that. I went out once with him, and he went out once by himself. And it is, it's, it's good fellowship time. That's awesome. It's awesome. You get the little bit away from the electronics and the, you know, the cares of life, and get to just hang out, sit around a campfire sometimes, or you know, take a nap in the middle of the day on a hillside with nothing but the sound of the wind. You know, those are special. Those are special times. Yeah. Well, I've, I I can relate to a little bit when you talk about the focus. There is an element to when I am practicing with my bow, and if I am going to be accurate, I have to focus on yeah. that and that alone. I cannot be thinking about anything else when I draw the bow and I'm looking downrange at the target. I have to remain completely focused on what I'm doing in that moment or else... It'll go haywire. Yeah, ar- archery is my favorite study break for sermon prep. Yeah. Because when you're preparing for a sermon, it just consumes every thought all the time. You're trying to have a conversation with someone and everything they say somehow relates to the sermon you're preparing for. There's just no break. Yeah. So if I can step out in the porch and shoot a half dozen arrows, my brain lets go for a moment and I can just have that break right and come back fresh yeah yeah okay well uh so other than hunting and this season of life yeah what has god been teaching you i remember when you were on the podcast last time you, there had been a, a near miss with your son yeah driving that was a while ago, with huh? your wife yeah and they ended up off the road in this culvert and a fence post fired through the windshield, narrowly missing your son. Yeah. And pretty intense moment and season for your family. Since that time, a lot of life has happened. So what would you say if you were to consider kind of the symphony of the things going on in your world and that God is showing you through his word, through the fellowship, through your family, through your kids, what is the lesson that he's trying to say? I want you to learn this right now. Well, Without having the question ahead of time to prepare something really special for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. I just I just got to I just got to preach through Ezekiel eighteen this last Sunday, and it's one of my go to passages for Bible camps because it's the fathers have eaten ch- sour grapes and the children's teeth mm-hmm. are set on edge, and he lays out how just because your parents might be righteous, you don't get their righteousness, but if you had wicked parents, that doesn't determine your future. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what draws me to that that chapter but the whole chapter is the gospel Mm -hmm. it's israel was refusing to acknowledge their sin and we can't know christ we can know a lot about him but we can't know him personally until we acknowledge our need for him which means we have to be able to confess our sins we have to be able to say i am a sinner yeah so if you walk down that the implications of that there's a necessity for me to acknowledge my sin on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I think we might have talked about this once yep. already that the gospel doesn't end at conversion. It begins in your right. life at conversion. It's the beginning of conversion. Yeah. yeah. And there's this, if we truly believe the gospel and we truly believe that our sins are paid for, then I can discuss my sin. I should be able to discuss my sin without shame. I should be able to be able to be, to be honest with someone and say, yeah, I failed. 
I sin, but Christ is, has covered that. It's been paid for, and he offers the same thing to you and to others. Yeah. So yeah. not like a celebrating the sin, certainly not right. that. But it, it removes in my life, the hopefully it removes in my life, this, this feeling that I need to appear righteous and holy and that I'm adding something to it by pretending that I mm-hmm. don't have sin. But it's the work that Christ has done. And if I can be honest about that, that makes it easier to share the gospel with other people. Yeah, I think there is that temptation to to have an appearance because we live in such a image-driven culture. And so that doesn't change when you become a Christian and, and join a church family. Yeah. Now it just means I have to maintain this appearance like I am righteous because mm-hmm. I have Jesus. But like you're saying, health is going to be in that moment when you stop because what's driving that is a fear of man. What's driving that is... I want other people to be impressed or to see me and and think that I've got it together because I want them to be impressed with me. But even that in itself is that sinful urge to be found, uh, I guess, uh, good enough by other people. Yeah. And so that's got to die, right? That in itself is a is a sinful urge. And I was talking to somebody earlier today that this what Christ has called us to in this life of repentance and acknowledging our sin is a ever, the longer you walk with the Lord, you become increasingly aware of your sin and just how broken you are, which should cause you to become increasingly more grateful for exactly what Christ has accomplished. Right. What we get into trouble is when we aren't willing to acknowledge our sin and we start to minimize that it's not really that big of a problem. Yeah. Because then we start to minimize Christ and what he had to come and do. And so it's this interesting tension between, man, I'm more aware today of just how broken I am than at that moment of conversion. And yet I'm really, really grateful, more grateful than I am have ever been because I also know what it cost the Lord in sending his son to die on my behalf. And it's dangerous because you can become despairing as you become increasingly aware of just how broken you are and you start to wonder could could god really love me that much to save me and that's where the enemy comes in and starts to lie to you and steal that joy so it's it's crazy it's not an easy walk for sure so that's a good word um that was what was the reference again ezekiel 37 ezekiel 18 18 sorry yeah yeah it pairs with jeremiah 29 yeah so yeah, for that, he I addresses the, the same parable. Yeah. 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 Good word. Well, uh, we have jumped into the book of Acts, as you know. And in the book of Acts, we have covered so far, we've been in chapters one through four. So okay. we've covered a lot of ground. Most recently, we've been looking at, in the last several episodes, this event that occurs, and it it takes a good chunk of the first part of Acts, and that is when Peter and John, in this er, in the early time of the fellowship of believers, they're attending the temple daily. Uh, they're engaging in teaching on a regular basis. They're breaking bread in homes. They're they're engaged in this life of of as believers, but they don't think that they're starting a new religion. They think that it is a continued revelation of God that the Messiah has come. And so they're continuing in the faith, what they believe to be the faith of their fathers. 
So they continue attending the temple. They go there daily and engage in that kind of fellowship. And on one day, they go. They see this man lame from birth. They look in his eyes, and Peter says, look, we don't, we're not going to give you any money, but what we are going to give you is life in Christ. And so they proceed to share the gospel. They heal the man. The man leaps. So we're talking about somebody who's never had the muscles to walk, never been developed. And in a moment, he develops musculature, ligaments, tendons, neuropathways between brain and muscle. Like You think about all the physiological things that had to occur in the snap of a finger, and he's not just like limping around. He's leaping and running. Do you think he got cardio too? (laughs) (laughs) yeah his lung capacity like why not like if you're going to give me the ability to run yeah he's got it all right (laughs) he's like a fully fit athlete now and he's leaping around and the the crowd there who was fully familiar with him seeing them their whole life as they came to the temple day in day out he's there at the same place asking for alms which would have been gifts given like financial contributions like that that we would give to the poor today or people that are begging so same type of thing, and they all recognize this guy, this isn't fake. Something happened here. And so it's recognized by this crowd. It's clearly recognized by the authorities, and now they've got a problem on their hands. And they start to question Peter and John, by what power do you do this, by what name? They lay out the gospel. They're like, look, you guys tried to kill the author of life, but he conquered death in the grave, and so it's through Jesus alone. You don't think by somehow our piety or our faith that, that this happened, or specifically he says by our piety or by some some power within us, it's Christ. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ raised this man from from being lame to now walking, and he this author of life comes to give life to everyone. So what you see here in a limited space where he can now walk, we're talking about this eternal life that he offers you. And so they share the gospel. These authorities trying to shut him down. And they have nothing they can do against them because the people clearly have seen this and witnessed this. And so that's where we enter the scene with what we're about to read. Okay. Okay? Gotcha. So we're jumping into Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. I'm reading out of the ESV. That's what I got up. Okay. Yep. And so we're going to jump right in. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So we're talking about when they being Peter and John. Peter and John. So they've been released. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. For truly in this city... They were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Okay. Awesome. 
pretty powerful. Yeah. Okay, so we look at this text. We want to first understand what's the scene, who's there, what's happening, kind of what what's the context around this. So we recognize the they, Peter and John. Peter and John they've been yep. released from cap. They've been held captive by the religious uh, authorities within the temple. So we're not talking about Romans holding them in prison. It was the high priest and uh, the guards that were at their disposal, right? They return, it says, uh, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So what is it that the chief priests and elders had said to them? Don't speak. Yep. We'll punish you if you do. But they didn't put him in prison. This, yeah, it says right? in verse 19, uh, well, they had been told before that. They charged them to speak or teach, yep. not to speak or teach at all in the name, in the name of, Jesus. of Jesus. So they say, stop teaching. Stop teaching and speaking and doing things in the name of Jesus. And I, th- I think 19 and 20 is the key that unlocks verses 23 and 31. Yep. Because Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. A little Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. Yeah, there's... I'm not careful to answer you, O king. Yeah. This is who we serve, right? Unpack that. You just mentioned a reference to the Old Testament. Yeah. What are, when you make that reference, what are you understanding? Um, so King Nebuchadnezzar builds a giant idol. And he tells everyone, when you, when you hear the music, you bow down to the idol. Yep. And word gets back to him that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down. So he, he calls them in and says, hey, what's, what's going on here? And they say, we are not careful to answer you, O king. So the Lord can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. And that's when they get thrown into the fiery furnace and, and they survive. But there's a a right time to be defiant. There's a right time to stand. And it's when truth is on the line and when the holiness of God is on the line. And it just sounds so similar in Acts chapter four here when they're like, who are we to obey? And I think that behind that, right, when the truth is on the line, the holiness of God is on the line, there is this concept throughout the scriptures. It comes, it comes to light a lot in the Old Testament, and that is fear of the Lord. Yeah. That there is this element when we fear God, there is a weight to the fear of the Lord that casts out other fears. And so in the example that you're talking about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there is a realistic understanding and practical understanding of Nebuchadnezzar had all power. Yeah. He had absolute authority to do whatever to whoever he wanted to. So here are these guys are willing to be defiant at the expense of their life. Yes. Because they aren't going to bow down and worship a false god. And they have seen plenty of other of their brothers and sisters, Israelites, that have done just that. They all did. They were there, right? Everyone present but them bowed down to worship this false god. And yet these men say, no, we can't do it. And they actually get thrown in the fiery furnace, and right. they're like, oh man, like. They- they, they weren't bluffing. <laughs> well, they haven't heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't know they're going to survive. They're, the survive. <laughs> they're just like, all right, boys, it was a good ride. Glad but you did the right thing. Here you have Peter and John. Yep. They know that story. Well, they. And they had engaged with Jesus, they walked with him. 
and the people that they're they're saying this to, like also know the story, <laughs> and they just crucified Jesus. Yeah, so they they know full well the expense of what they're about, what they're saying. They they're aware of yep. the consequences of what they're saying to these people. Yeah, it's very fresh. In their yeah, mind, they know right? that the potential outcome of this kind of defiance is crucifixion. Yeah, torture, public humiliation, and they. So it's not just like they're being flippant. No. There's a complete weightiness to they're not afraid of these men. They're they have a fear of the Lord that is not a they're not terrified of the Lord. They're not afraid of the God, but they have such a complete utter reverence for who he is and what he's capable of that outweighs what these people who they are and what they're capable of. Exactly. So I think that's a great reference to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel and what plays out in their life, right? Right. Um, so as a pastor, yeah, full-time preaching pastor now, right? have you considered the cost that it might cost you as a pastor to speak God's truth as the climate changes? Yeah. It was interesting this past weekend, I was thinking about some of the things I was going to say about the culture in which we live and to talk about the level of anxiety and confusion that currently exists in our context. And, and in one of the sermons that I delivered, so in, in my context, we have three services, so I, I get to preach the same sermon three times, but I don't preach the same sermon. <laughs> I'll tell you that. There are different nuances that seem to come out, and so I'm, I'm okay with that. And in one of them, I was referencing the level of confusion that our culture is experiencing right now about their own identity and gender. And I, it was interesting that I was willing to say, or willing to think, should I say that? Right. That could have some kickback to it. And then I thought, no, that, that's a real thing. There is, it is a, there is a confusion that is so uh, core or striking at the core of what people are and who they are that is an indicator of just how far we've come and gone away from the fear of the Lord. Right. That is bring, resulting in that. So, yeah, I... I count the cost. I probably am not always aware of just how weighty it is, but there are certainly moments where I, I have to ask the question, how, how much truth am I willing to say? Right. And, and the, yeah, the reason, and you can walk me through this passage a little bit, but the, the big kickoff is verses 19 and 20, where they're quite bold. Mm-hmm. And they basically literally put their lives and their freedom on the line to say that we choose God and we're not going to stop talking about him. And then in verse 23, when they get to their friends, it, it doesn't say that they rejoiced. It, it just says they lifted their voices together to God and said, and they go on this worship tirade, right? They're just like the mm-hmm. sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. But what they're, what they're driving at, they quote some from Psalms, and then what they drive to is boldness. Verse 29, and now look, and now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Mm-hmm. So, so 
is that what they're celebrating in verse here? Are they celebrating that their friends didn't get thrown in jail and crucified? Because as soon as they hear how it went for them, they instantly, sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, they start acknowledging who he is. Right? Yeah. And it it seems like in verse 29, there's the boldness. And in the end of verse 31, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Well, it's interesting, too, that word boldness comes out in verse 13 of chapter 4. Okay. It says, now, this is the they here is the high priest and the high priestly family. So you've got Caiaphas and Alexander and John and these others that are a part of this, uh, and Annas, the high priest, who's the acting high priest. They're all gathered there, and it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, so they're recognizing this interaction that they've had, uh, and it says in verse 8, before that, now then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, so now it's it's a it's the fullness and the presence of Christ's Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit in Peter, that results in a his response to the high priest and the the questioning that he's getting. And what happens in verse thirteen? Their response is now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Right. So there is a a a power that's outside of Peter. Well, I shouldn't say outside because it's in him, right? Right. But it's not, not his, his own. human. He didn't just decide to be this bold, just nothing to lose kind of guy. But there's clearly the influence of the Spirit of God gives him a boldness in this moment to respond to these people of human power. And so it's all throughout this text, this word boldness, that he had this boldness, right? And right. so when they're released... They went to their friends, and they continued like in this boldness, right? And they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to say, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth. So they begin to worship and to pray at the same time. And I think it's because they are now witnesses in the way that Christ had predicted that they would be. Yep. That he said, you're going to appear before rulers and leaders, and you're going to utter whatever the Spirit of God gives you utter in that moment. So I think there's also some of that. They're, they're in the moment that Christ predicted they would be, and it's just as they he had said. The Spirit gave utterance. They spoke in response, and there was a boldness that was perceived by those outside of Peter and John as, what's going on here? These guys are uneducated common men. How could they possibly be able to respond this way? And yet they are. They've, they've been with Jesus. Right. That's just, man. That should be the difference maker, right? Like, if there's anything, I think I said this on the podcast where we talked about this passage where they recognize he had been with Jesus. And I, if you're going to put something on my tombstone, yeah, Howard, man. just put that. Yeah. <laughs> he had been with Jesus. Like, come on. And he yeah. still is. He's yeah. rocking it with him right now. <laughs> uh, I think there's something powerful in that. So, to your question, are they celebrating that they had been persecuted in that way? Are they celebrating the boldness that they had, exp- that they had? Uh, if they are, I think they're probably celebrating the presence of God's Spirit. Yes. In Back- the midst, right? Um, because they, the Holy Spirit's throughout this thing, and then you see at the end, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Yeah, there it is. So it begins with, in verse 8, 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, gives his response. And then it says that that's what continued to happen. And it, you know, verse 8, when it says Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, that little clause there is like a reminder for us. It wasn't like Peter was just then receiving the Holy Spirit. It's saying, hey, you people that are reading this, I'm, I'm giving you a, a yeah. nudge. This is your little footnote so that when you get down to verse 13 and 19 and, you know, following, yeah. this is the source of their confidence to speak un, unencumbered and openly and frankly. With the full understanding it could cost in their lives because they are filled with the Spirit of God and so they have no fear of man. And I guess that begs the question for us practically. We live in a time where I know a lot of faithful believers that are riddled with anxiety, that are constantly wrestling with fear of circumstances, fear of the unknown, fear of what might happen to them. I know in my own parenting journey, it's been a, how many times can I look back and realize I made decisions based on how I was afraid what might happen to my kids? Yeah. Or what might happen to us as a family. And so I make decisions based on, well, I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm going to just hedge my bets here and do the safe thing. And I can think of plenty of times where I've shot away from being bold. Uh, Not that I spoke heresy or falsehood, but I didn't step into that. And I have the Holy Spirit in me. Right. So I don't feel that or experience that. How do you walk with people in understanding this reality that the Spirit of God is present within us, but we don't always experience that full influence of God's Spirit in those moments of fear? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's, you know, because like right now, we're having a conversation about it and we're just spending time in God's Word. So when I leave here and go to work, this is fresh on my mind. I've spent time in God's Word and I just had this little reminder that, hey, this is who you are and this is what God expects from people who've had an encounter and an experience and have spent time with Jesus. If you belong to Him, then this is a natural outflowing of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Yeah. But it's easy just to get trudging through, you know, I was complaining about traffic today and I was Mm -hmm. running all over town. I'm not thinking about the Holy Spirit in that moment, right? I'm just going through the day. And so I think the more we stay in contact with God's word and the more we, we visit with the Holy Spirit and we pray and all, you know, all the things that we're supposed to do, the more fresh it is in our mind. Mm -hmm. It's like if I'm sitting visiting with somebody and we're talking about life, that sort of automatically throws me into what's not like default mode, but it throws me into scripture mode Mm. because if we're having serious conversations, I know I don't have anything to say that's of value. Right. So I think when we're sitting down having serious conversations that happens more naturally because I'm already leaning on, on the word for things to talk, you know, Mm -hmm. wise words, things that are meaningful and helpful. Um, when I bump into random situations in life, you know, just bumping into people yeah, Walmart or whatever, maybe I could use some growth there. Yeah, and I think, too, this isn't an isolated experience for them. So you have, for Peter and John, we want to understand what's not just pres- prescriptive, but what's describing what occurred. Yeah. 
And so they're coming off of a very interesting period in the history of humanity where God sent his spirit down on the day of Pentecost and they experienced some miraculous things that were outside of the norm for them and a powerful infusion of God's spirit into their life and into their this radically formed community of now thousands of people responding to the gospel, getting baptized, being saved, giving up their previous lifestyle to join this this new community. And so there is a momentum that's developed there. And for them, you know, the, the activity of the Spirit in their life is something that they have acted boldly. They've done things. That Peter has gotten up and spoken and preached now several times. Yes. And he's seen the power of God work through that. And so his ability to be bold is, is coming out of a track record of, now when I get up and speak, things happen. Yeah. And God works. And I think for us, there's a there's something to learn in that when we experience a prompting by the Holy Spirit to to say something, to ask a question, to lean into something, and we see God do something in that that moment because we were faithful and obedient to be bold, I think that we're going to become more receptive to the next time that prompting happens, yes. and we're going to be more likely to do it because now we know, okay, God showed up, and so I'm going to keep being faithful when he shows up and prompts me to do things. And so I think there's something to that that I've learned in my life. There are times where I'm in a conversation and I don't know what I'm about to engage with when I'm meeting with somebody. And so I ask the Lord for insight, for knowledge, for understanding, and the words to speak. And I'll walk into that meeting and I'll get a sense of an idea that pops up and I go, I'm just going to go with this. And I respond to it, and I speak in light of that con- that thought, and it tends to bear fruit. Right. And I go, okay, sweet. So when I ask God to help me, and then I have a thought, and I act on it, that that was bearing fruit. So the Spirit of God is is working through me. This is pretty awesome. Yeah. And I'm faithful to that. Um. And that's the, what we're seeing here in this story is like the goal. Yeah. That's how we desire to live. <laughs> right. But even Peter doesn't always live like this. True. Right? Him and him and Paul have a little Yeah, they get into a, a disagreement later in ministry and life and, and we because, find that, because Peter was afraid of the opinions of man. Yep. Right. So it's never like one and no, done. Yeah. It's a constant day in, day out submit submission to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I just, that's a good word. That's a good reminder that this, yeah, this isn't how it always was for Peter either. Um, that's a good reminder. Yeah, the, this is what we're striving for. Yeah, what we're the see what we're seeing taking place in chat, Acts four. That's a good word. Is is the goal? Yeah, that's a great word. Being willing to be bold. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, Howard, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for spending time in God's word this way. I always, I'm, I'm a verbal processor and I love to verbally yeah. process with you. That's super helpful for me. If you're listening to this and, and it's provoked some questions, uh, you can always email me at takenreadpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have questions for, for Howard, uh, definitely send those questions my way. I'll get them to Howard and we'll figure out a way to get his responses back to you. Uh, I would encourage you if, if this is kind of your first engagement with God's word, continue to read, continue to engage. Uh, if you're trying to figure out, 
you know, how do I read and understand this word? You can go all the way back to the first episode of this podcast. That's the goal of this podcast is to take and read the word of God. Uh, Try to set aside, you know, a bunch of prior study and preparation, but to just open it up to believers, taking it, reading it, processing it verbally together, and then trying to live in light of that. As Howard alluded, he's going to go to work tonight. He's a pilot. And so he's now coming out of a time with the word. And so it's going to inform the way he lives his life tonight. And he's going to try to live in light of God's truth revealed in the scriptures. If you're somebody who's not sure you believe all this, kudos to you for taking and reading anyway. I think it's, as the as the bumper to this show says, I think it's worth reading and understanding because the word of God, whether it looks like it or not, has shaped the Western world. Uh, and so a lot of the foundations of, of what we understand to be happening in the United States and throughout the West they're shaped by God's word. And so it's important to know what, what it says and, and why we live the way we do. But I want to encourage you uh, to go out there and to take and to read the word of God. Blessings. Blessings.